We don't want to do our own thing. Lord, we want to see You. We want to hear from You. We want to see You. Nothing else will meet the needs. Lord, nothing else will suffice. And we need the power of You to be at work in our lives. And Lord, I am helpless to accomplish that unless Your Spirit does it. And so, Lord, we rejoice that we're not left to our own resources. We rejoice that You dwell within us as believers and that the power of Your Spirit is available in our lives. And Lord... We look to you now, in Jesus' name, amen. invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We are continuing with our studies in Ephesians. And this week we've been studying the last half of Ephesians chapter 1. And incidentally, let me mention, the Ephesians books came in. They're back in the library And um, if you haven't got one, you can pick those up today. Ephesians 1, I'll begin reading in verse 15. Therefore also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all." So, Paul is giving us an insight into his prayer life. And he says, this is what I'm praying for you. And he he lists several things here. And we're not going to go into that, all the details of that prayer. You may, um, tonight in the small group studies, be looking at that. But he, he comes down, You know, he's asking that they would have wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they would know the hope of his calling. And then he says in verse 19, and that you would know the exceeding greatness of God's power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So Paul is is giving the full idea of the expression when he's talking about the power that they would know personally, the power of God. He's talking about 
Um, the term that he uses is a power beyond measure, a superabounding, surpassing power that is more than enough. I mean, we've all been in situations where we ran out of power. I mean, Texas experienced running out of power. You've been just about done with something and your cordless drill dies on you and you ran out of power. Or worst of all is when a man gets in a vehicle and sees a wonderful mud pile and says, we can make it through that and you take off and you run out of power and you just can't do it and your vehicle lets you down. The shame, the dis- despair, and, and none of us likes to run out of power. And yet it is, it is a very real situation in our life. But Paul is saying to these believers through Asia Minor, he's saying, God has given you, and I am praying that you would come to know in a personal manner that God's power exceeds and surpasses everything. It is an unimaginable power. It is a power that God manifested when He spoke the worlds into existence. We sang, I sing the mighty power of God. It is God's power when manifested when He raised Jesus from the dead. And... It is God's power that placed all things under his feet. And in this passage, he alludes to all that, and we'll come back and mention that. But you notice, Paul simply could not say enough about God's power. It was just like he he couldn't find the words to describe the power and express the thoughts that he had about the power of God. But if you notice... Paul does not pray, Lord, give them power. He prays, Lord, help them to have spiritual eyes to see and appropriate the power that already resides within them. You know, sometimes when we think about the power of God, man, I, I'd like to have the power of God. Boy, I'd, I'd like to, to line up as Elijah, all these God-denying people, and say, you call down fire from your God, and, and I'll call down. Let's have a contest, man. I'd like to have that power. I'd like to go to Washington, D.C. and say, you line up your God, and you'd love to have a showdown. And, and we're saying, I, I don't know if that worked for me like it worked for Elijah. You know what I'm saying? We'd, we'd love to have the power that we think would be at our own hands like Peter and John. Hey, we don't have silver and gold, but take up your bed and walk. Whoo, man, that guy took up his bed and walked. And we say, where is that God and where is that power? Boy, that, that's, that's foreign to me. And yet, we have to come back and understand what Paul is talking about here is, is not a power that is at our own jurisdiction that we can just go do whatever. 
I mean, I've always wondered, these that say they have the power of healing, why don't they just go to a hospital and permanently, you don't need to come in here, let me heal you right here. I believe in healing, I believe God is the healer, and I believe God's power works in a mighty way, but God just doesn't willy-nilly give his power to us to say, I'm going to Washington, D.C. and called on fire from heaven. You may wish you could do that, but the reality is the power of God that Paul is addressing here to these believers in Asia Minor that were in difficult times, life was hard for them, there was persecution, he wanted them and he said, my prayer is that you would understand the power of God. So we want to try to understand what Paul was burdened for for those believers and for us. Understanding the power of God, number one, it is God's power. He is the author and he is the administrator of it. It is God's power. It is not our power. You know, we often quote the Great Commission in regard to missions. But the Great Commission begins, Jesus says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And because of that, he says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But he reminded them as he sent them out, all power is given unto me. This is God's power. He is, he is the initiator of the power. He is the administrator of this power. He is sovereign and he can do and he will do as he pleases. And what he does is perfect. And throughout history, you know, we, we like to, and I, I mentioned a couple of them, Peter and John and Elijah, and there are, are others throughout the Bible that mightily, God mightily came upon them and, and gave great power. But in the, in the 6,000 plus years of human history, there, there have been relatively few speaking that were, were blazing lights of miraculous things. And yet when we think of God's power, we often think of that. And Paul is writing and saying, I want you to know God's power. And first of all, know it is God. He's the author of it. He's the source of it. He's the administrator of it. And he can and will do as he pleases. And what he does is perfect. Secondly, Paul brings out in this passage, God's power is manifested in and through Jesus Christ and his resurrection and ascension. And in this that we read, he said, I want you to know the exceeding greatness of God's power according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him up from the dead. When Jesus Christ was crucified and then rose from the dead, which I was going to say we'll be celebrating in, in five, six weeks, something like that, 
we're celebrating it today. That's why we're meeting today, the first day of the week. It's because we're reminded we serve a living Savior. And when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, His power was manifested when He broke the power of sin. He broke the power of death. He broke the power of Satan. And in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, Through death, Jesus Christ destroyed the one who had the power of death. I like how it says it. Jesus Christ destroyed, not just eked out a victory, He destroyed the one who had the power of death. And Paul is saying, this same power that was wrought by the working of God is the same power that I want you to know. But then Paul doesn't end there. He said, I want you to know this power that raised him from the dead, but now it has set him at the right hand of the Father, and he is over all principalities and all powers and all dominions, both which have been and will be to come. That means Jesus Christ has power over everything. There's nothing that is a rival to him and not even close. His ascension set him, and I like how it says it, far above all powers. We as human beings are sometimes impressed with with power in different ways. It may be through influence. It may be through authority. It may be through power of machinery. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ shows his power. And now it's not just that he rose and that was it. Now he is at the right hand of the Father and he is over all powers. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. So it is manifested. God's power is manifested through Jesus Christ. Thirdly, it is a work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ was resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit. You cannot have the power of God without the Holy Spirit. Zechariah said, Not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord God. So, any power of God is directly tied to the working of the Spirit of God. Salvation, when we come to the point where we acknowledge, I am a sinner, I have violated God's laws, I am separated from God, and there is nothing I can do to amend that, to correct that, to forgive my own sins, And we come to realize Jesus Christ alone is the only one that can forgive our sins. And we turn from our sin and call upon Jesus Christ to forgive our sins. He says we are adopted into God's family. We are sealed. And he already mentioned that previously in this chapter. We are sealed. Our salvation is sealed 
by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God, the moment we call upon Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, the Spirit of God takes up permanent residence in our life. Do you understand what that is? That's the same Spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. That's power. In me? In you as a believer? Do you also understand, until I come to trust Christ for the forgiveness of sins, I have no power. I have no power. But the moment I trust Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, the Spirit of God dwells within me, and He is the power. It is not me. It is not like He, he just turns it over to me. It is, it is very similar to the fact that, that <clears throat> we are the hose, but He is the water. You know, in the old days when you'd be out putting up hay and hot and bothered and, and you'd come in to unload the hay, well, let's take a water break, and you'd, in the old, old days, many of you remember, you'd pump that pump and you'd pump it long enough to get the cold water coming and we didn't care about hygiene back then, did we? We just put our mouth right on, keep pump, you know, you'd pump your, ah, you know. Or when you got a hose and you got cold water coming out, no one ever said, man, that is a good hose. No one ever said, man, that's a nice pump. No one ever said that. He said, man, that water is good. And we need to realize Paul wants us to know the power of God. It's not about us. We are the hose. And our job is to stay connected to the source of the living water. Most of you know this, but I'm a little crazy, and I've passed it on to our family, okay? So we love ice skating, but we don't get... The weather doesn't cooperate, you know what I mean? it It did at Christmas. It froze perfectly smooth the snow didn't mess up anyway long story short we we had all this cold weather and the ice was junk and and so i went out and got my gas powered pump that you put a hose break a hole in the ice stick a big hose down in there and and then you put a hose and you crank that thing up and it's supposed to flood water out. And, and man, I'm thinking, boy, this is going to be like Wells Fargo Arena. You know what I'm thinking? <laughs> and the gas-powered motor started right up. And, and, and I'm thinking, you got to prime this thing. And I primed it. And nothing came. And I'd rev that motor up. You know, nothing and then just a little trickle started coming out, 50 foot of hose, you know, and, and a little trickle started coming out. And I wasn't laughing, Jason, okay? <laughs> and, and it's, 
it's around zero. I told you I was crazy, okay? And and I'm thinking, I don't know what's going on, and why isn't this thing working? And worked at it, worked at it. Finally gave up on it, hauled it back up to the house to thaw things out, and and got on YouTube. What did we do before we had YouTube, right? And and looked at stuff and. And and it said, if your connections aren't tight, 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 you're going to let air get in and it won't suck it out. And and I thought, well, maybe they weren't tight. And long story short, I'm going to go try this again. <clears throat> so I went down there. I got it in and got everything. And it started to trickle. And then I saw that that flat hose, 50 foot hose, start inflating and I look down and there's water shooting out there and I'm going, Woo, glory be I grabbed that oh man, I I felt like I was this is great and spraying water all over the place and and then all of a sudden it it starts dying. And I that's what I said. <laughs> you didn't know Jason provides sound effects for my preaching, did ya? I, I'm glad you're here, Jason. And and I looked back, and the hose was had a big kink in it. Well, that explains that, you know. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that, so you get that. And and man, there's nothing like something working like it ought to work, right? No matter what it is. And I never dreamed I'd end up. God had lessons in this for me for a message. But the problem when I initially did this, there was enough power in the motor, there was enough water in the pond to pump out. Everything was there, but there were problems with the hose. Were the hose. We think there's problems with God. Why isn't God working? The problem isn't with God. Either we don't have the Spirit of God at all, we're not saved, or we're doing things to hinder the working of the Spirit of God in our life. And we need to make sure we're a hose that is usable to God. We think, I've got the Spirit in me, but you never hook up the hose to walking in the Spirit, you're not going to have the power of God. And Paul's saying, I want you to know the power of God. Man, there's nothing like the power of God flowing through you. And it's not, oh, look at me. It's look at the power of God. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. And, and we as mankind love to substitute a work for the Holy Spirit. I, I could have I could have let it just trickle out of there and kind of sprinkled it around and gone back in and said, Marilyn, man, I've been down there for three hours and I just don't think this thing's going to work. It wasn't going to work because I didn't have it right. And in our own lives, there's no shortage of power. The Holy Spirit is not limited. God is not limited. And 
it is important for us to understand it is the working of the Holy Spirit through our lives. Let me just go on quickly. Number four, the power of God is not a blank check we fill in with prayer. It isn't like God says, here's the power, man. You, you name it and, and I'll do it. And if I don't do it, the problem's with you. No. It's not a name it and claim it. It's not our power. See, if I'm able to name it, I want this done, I want this done, I want this done, that's my power. God's the one that has the power. I'm the hose. You know, that hose on that pond, it didn't say, well, it wanted to. When I laid it down, it was going all over the place, you know. But I picked it up and said, you're going over here. It's not a blank check that we, the hose, can say, this is where I'm going to go and this is what I'm going to do. We don't control it. God does. And you know, many times where we don't know the, the personal power of God in our life is when He says, I want to use you over here, and we jump out of His hand and start flopping around over here. And He says, no, that didn't. He shuts the power down. you got a kink in your hose here, buddy. It's not what we want to do. It's what He wants us to do. And, and Paul wanted them to know this because when we come to grips with the power of God, it will build our faith and it will give us hope. Do we really believe that God has all power? If so, we can rest in Him. And it doesn't matter what goes on in the world. My God has all power. He lives within me and I can rest in Him. Norm Geisler, who was a great, great apologist, a a great defender of the faith, is now with the Lord, said that God is all good and God is all powerful and God guarantees triumph over evil. But he said people say since God is all good and God is all powerful and He can do whatever He wants and there is still evil, why hasn't God stopped the evil? Because He says He's all powerful, why hasn't He? And he says, rather than evil defeating the all-good, all-powerful God, such a God guarantees ultimate triumph over evil. And if he is all-powerful, which we know he is, we know he can defeat evil. And if evil is not yet defeated, then we know one day he will defeat it. And its defeat is guaranteed by the nature of the all-good and all-powerful God. That's why understanding the power of God is so important. And that's why Paul's writing to believers at, at Asia Minor and to us, and he's saying, man, there's things going on in your world that look 
discouraging and look defeating and it looks bad, you may think. But he says, remember the power of God. And remember, he is greater than evil and he will defeat evil. And it has not yet been manifested, but he will. And that ought to build our faith to know Whatever He has me go through, He will give me the power in me. I don't have to produce it. I need to be usable, a hose that He can flow through and allow Him to work in my life. And no matter how weak or ill-equipped we may feel at times, we can always rely on the power of God. We, we have the assurance, and Paul will bring this out in Ephesians 3.20. We have the assurance that he is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. That isn't a blank check. Whatever I ask or think, God's going to do. No, he is going to do in me and through me as I yield to him whatever he wants to glorify his name in my life. There will never be a lack of power available to us. And we just studied Romans. And one of the mountain peaks of Romans is that we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And we know that because of God's power. If God wasn't powerful, He couldn't do it. You know, if if if, if I had... Uh, a little tiny electric motor hooked up to that hose, it wouldn't have enough power to do it. But God is all-powerful. So whatever comes into your life, He is overwhelmingly available to make it work together for good. He will fulfill, we sang earlier, I can trust every promise of God's Word. Not because, boy, I've really been good lately. No, it's because we're just the hose. It's because of the power of God. So we need to ask ourselves, do I have the power of God in me? Do I have the Spirit of God in me? Or am I a child of God? Has there been a time that I personally called upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. If not, today is the day you need to call upon Christ. While He is burdening you to that point, to, to simply say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me through Jesus Christ. So, first of all, is the power there? And then secondly, am I available to God? Are you, are you truly a hose that God can pick up and, and do whatever. But, but I want to see God bring an amazing revival. God said, I'd like to change the way you treat your family. I'd like to change your thought life. No, I want to see this. We're not available to God. And there's times God lets us, lets us lay and flop around on our own. Like a hose with all kinds flowing through it, but no use. Or there's times there's nothing coming out of our life because there's so many kinks in us, so many re rebellion against God, so much rebellion against God that the power can't flow through us. And that's the third question. Am I keeping the avenues of power 
free from sin in my life. You know, we, we get to where we like to be God. God, I want you to work here. And God says, well, I first of all ask that you do this. God, I want to see a, a great working. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And God is saying, I want, to, I want to be the God that shows my power in changing your attitude toward other people. I want to be the God that shows my power in changing how you handle your finances. I want to be the God that changes you from trying to impress people to living for me. And we could go on and on. And we often say, God, I want to see this. No, we need to be available to God. God, whatever you want to do in me. It's not about me. It's not, whoa, look at this hose. Isn't it a great hose? No, it's about the living water that flows through us. See, is my life a living epistle, a vibrant testimony of God's supernatural power? Warren Wearsby in his book, Be Rich, tells of the late wealthy newspaper publisher William Randolph Hearst who had an immense art collection. He gathered treasures from around the world. And one day he found a description of some valuable items that he felt he must own for his collection. So he sent an agent abroad to search for them After months of searching, the agent reported that he'd finally found the treasures and they were already in Mr. Hurst's warehouse. Hurst had been searching for the treasures around the world and he didn't know that he'd already owned them. Many times we as Christians are the same way. The mighty power of God dwells within us. And sometimes we're not aware of it. And we're looking for all over for ways that we could have this power or see this done or that done. And it's right within us of submitting to God. We sang, open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. And Paul's great burden, he said, I want you to know the exceeding greatness of this power that can change you in this sanctification process that we've talked about, that can change you and then can use you as God directs, taking the hose around. But it's all about the Spirit of God in us and us submitting to His Spirit. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would personally know not some mystical, made-up power, but Lord, that we would know the power of You at work in our lives. Lord, I pray for individuals here today that have never called upon You for the forgiveness of sins Help them to see that they have no power because they don't have your spirit, but that 
if they would call upon you for the forgiveness of sins, that you would give them your spirit. And then, Lord, I pray for every one of us as believers that we would even now be obedient to the promptings of your spirit to take care of some things in our lives so that the ministry of your spirit could flow freely through our lives. Wouldn't be hindered by the sin that plugs the hose and springs leaks. But Lord, that we truly would depend on your spirit because without you, we can do nothing. And Lord, I pray that we would be available to let you be God and to use us in any way that you desire. That we wouldn't say, God must not be doing anything because he didn't do this. Lord, help us to submit to you. And may you find in us a great faith and a great hope because all power is yours. And whatever you have willed, it will be done. And because of that, we have great hope. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.